Funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee. Streetwise Athlone In this series, we learn about the old and recent history of the streets of Athlone, hear the thoughts and memories of locals and tourists, and the changes we might see in the future. Episode 46, Golden Island and Burgess Park. Historian Garrod O'Brien tells us about the history of the area. Golden Island consists of three distinct townlands, located just south of Athlone, on the banks of the Shannon. Golden Island, Golden Island Kilmaine and Golden Island St George. In all, they add up to about 250 acres, some of which is liable to flooding. Turning back the clock to 1854, when Griffith's valuations was compiled, this was largely farmland. There was only one house in Golden Island St George, and that was occupied by Thomas Curley, who had about 20 acres of land, while Eliza English also had an acre of land in the same townland. Lord Castlemaine was the landlord. Golden Island Kilmaine was owned by Lord Kilmaine, and there were only two houses in that townland, both occupied by Curleys. A few other tenants had land holdings in that townland also. And the third townland, which was just called Golden Island, had over 150 acres, which were owned by six different landlords. There were 14 houses in Golden Island, and the occupants were McNamara, Cullen and Hughes, two families of Macken, five families of Finneran, two families of Dolan, and two families of Costello. Archbishop Michael J. Curley of Baltimore and Washington, 1879 to 1947, was born in Golden Island and educated by the Marist brothers in Athlone. Having studied in Mungret College in Limerick and attended university in Rome, he was ordained in 1904 for Florida. Ten years later, he was made Bishop of St. Augustine, Florida, and at 34 years of age, he was the youngest member of the American hierarchy. In 1921, he was made the 10th Archbishop of Baltimore. When Pope Pius XII separated Washington from Baltimore to become an archdiocese in its own right, Archbishop Curley was made first Archbishop of Washington, while still retaining the See of Baltimore. After his death in 1947, two new archbishops were appointed to take his place. Archbishop Curley, a lifelong friend of John McCormack, was regarded as one of the most influential churchmen in the American church. Today, Golden Island is synonymous with the Golden Island Shopping Centre. But I remember Golden Island when it was a greenfield site with the old town dump smouldering in the background. The Golden Island Road was then a haven of peace where lovers could still walk on quiet country roads. The name Golden Island conjures up a beautiful picture. Like William Wordsworth, hosts of golden daffodils, it is the epitome of rustic charm. I presume that it was the sight of a field of yellow buttercups or marsh marigolds which gave Golden Island its name. Further south in Clanbonny, there is a place named Island Boy, presumably from the Irish Ilan Bui, meaning yellow or golden island, again most likely deriving its name from the local flora. The Golden Island Shopping Centre is located in Golden Island, Kilmaine. It was developed by Owen O'Callaghan, Michael Tiernan 
and the late Tom Diskin and opened in October 1997. It was sold to Tesco in 2005 and was purchased by Credit Suisse in 2016. Despite the development of the Town Centre Shopping Centre, the Golden Island Centre still attracts significant footfall due to such anchor tenants as Tesco, Argos and Pennies, to name but a few. The view downriver from Golden Island, looking across Burgess Park to the docks, is quite majestic, as is the view back towards the town. There were many Golden Island sceptics before it was built, but the shopping centre is still a credit to the vision of the late Tom Diskin, who saw its potential long before anyone else had seen it. Burgess Park has been greatly enlarged and enhanced in recent years. The original park was a gift from the Burgess family, the family of Thomas Burgess and Company, to the people of the town. The park was donated to the town in 1924 and quickly became a favourite recreational space. Children kicked ball there, older people chose to take a gentle walk or sat on the park benches and spoke to passers-by. Lovers sat on the steps to chat and anglers fished from the banks. In more recent times, a badly needed town centre children's playground has been added to the facilities and the park itself has been extended and landscaped. I for one consider that the man-made hill has added an extra dimension to the park. It is obvious even from the town bridge, introducing a nice new vista. When Athlone Municipal District was looking for a site for a garden of remembrance to honour those from this area who volunteered to serve during the Easter Rising in Dublin, Burgess Park was the obvious choice. Athlone Tidy Towns spearheaded this project and Irish oak trees were planted in 2016, one for each of the executed signatories of the proclamation. There is also a stone with the proclamation and a flagpole for the tricolour. All in all, this has added greatly to the attractiveness of this park, which has been serving the recreational needs of Athlone for almost a century. Frankie Keena talks about some of the recent and upcoming work in Burgess Park. Part of the project that I would have done there back in, in 2016 is a centenary to the 1916 Rising. And I think they were a very, very strong worker, a great man, Shea Hamilton, and um, at Lone Tidy Town as well. But, but Shea really took the strong lead in it. Stepping out project in Athlone as well, because they did the, the imagery. If people go down there to see the, the, the image of kind of... Um, Parry Pierce, all the other seven signatories there um, underneath the tree. That was done by the Stepping Out program here in Athlone. I mean, it's really, really fantastic. But also Stepping Out program as well, only only about last year, designed and created and they made a kind of an obelisk, which was, which was put in a lovely little kind of centre area in Burgess Park there. And um, this particular sculpture is, is kind of, it's just really to kind of to remember those people who lost their lives in the Shannon. I mean, and it's, it's just very, very sad because with the Shannon flying by there, it's a beautiful river looking out today, listening in the sunshine, but it can cause a lot of grief as well for people as well. Up further, Burgess Park is kind of, it's, as I said, it goes, goes right, right, right down the banks of the Shannon. The local authority, in conjunction with Wilders Ireland, um, they're putting in kind of a, there's a slipway being put in there on the south side of the weir wall slipway there for, for boats going into, into the river there because there's no slipway on that side of the weir wall 
and and that'll that'll help for people for for emergency boats to, to get into the water and probably also be a help for the fishermen as well. Erica visits the area and speaks to passers-by. My memories of Golan Island is from the late 70s, early 80s, when the town dump was there. They'd be scavenging for scrap wire and they'd be burning the copper, the rubber off the wire to bring just the copper itself over to Hammond Lane to sell for scrap. And every now and again somebody would light fires in the dump and the whole dump would be ablaze. And the whole bottom of Irish town, Golan Island, would be just covered in smoke. And down at the back of Dunn's doors, it was a small car park, nothing like compared to what it is now. And Burgess Park, with the fireworks at the end of the Heineken Festival, and Elan used to sponsor the fireworks display. And there'd be thousands of people lining the town bridge, down the back of Sean's Bar, down the side of the Strand, at the back of Dunn's doors and everything, waiting to watch the fireworks. Well, I remember that was only um, a little laneway type thing, you know. That would have led down into this dump area as well, you know. It was just wild, desolate place down there, flooded and stuff, you know. But um, I can only say good things about Athlone and, and the centre of Athlone and how it's been developed. Streetwise Athlone. Historical research and presentation by Garrod O'Brien. Additional research by Damien McKellen. Interviews by Amanda Gunning, Ursula Ledwith, Mel Ray, and Erica Follows Smith. Editing by Kyle McKellen. Produced by Amanda Gunning. The additional contributor to this episode was Frankie Keane. Funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television license fee.